Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you will enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Let's start off with telling the fans a little about who you are, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. I am Alana Lanier. I am the founder and lead dev at Toad House Games, which is also Team Toad House. Team Toad House is our community. Uh, we make visual novels that have to do with mental wellness. Um, we try to tell stories that aren't usually told of marginalized characters. We do a lot of work with sensitivity readers and cultural consultants. And we always try to write our games in a way that people with mental illnesses can play them safely and not be triggered by our content. Wow. Oh, that's a lot. I love that <laughs> so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Cause not a lot of people do that. And mental health is really important nowadays, especially with COVID. It's like, we have to yeah. understand the process that it is and help people understand it more by telling maybe stories like you're doing with visual novels. So let's go into how you got started with game development though. What was like that moment where you were like, I want to be in game dev. And then if we can go back farther than that, like when did you start getting into games? Sure. Uh, the moment I wanted to be in game dev was I got into a car accident and I had a lot of time to think cause I couldn't really do much else. Yeah. And, uh, I realized I didn't like my current career. So I was an actor. Like Act? professionally. Oh, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was an actor from age like 12 onward. And especially in my early twenties, it's, it was my bread and butter. I was, I was obviously a waitress because everyone's a waitress when you're in between gigs and then an actor. Oh. And, um, when I was sitting there thinking, I was able to see that I didn't really enjoy it anymore, that I didn't, uh, I was like self-sabotaging. I wasn't showing up to my auditions on time. I wasn't, I could tell that I wasn't as happy as I thought I was, I was doing it out of habit. So I figured, well, if I could choose any other career, what do I do? Do I go back to school to be a lawyer? What, what do I, what do I want to do? And I think that humans are natural storytellers and stories can be very powerful and um I remember being a teenager and listening to music and thinking a song was like written about me for me because it felt so close to my heart and people need that type of art and so I wanted to create that type of art so I tried my hand at game development and as for video games they've always been a part of my life as with most game developers <laughs> it's like when did you play games oh forever i don't even remember the yeah. first time yeah <laughs> forever like, in a day exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting when you said that you were self-sabotaging because I, mm. I mean i never really thought of that but like nowadays too ever since covid hit it's like why work it's fun no i don't know i used to have the mentality where it was like work 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 80 hours a week i'm the best i'm gonna show up i'm gonna do whatever now i'm like if i'm not really happy like why am i like crunching and forcing myself to like suffer just so i can feel good about it it's kind of like that self-help thing where you're in a constant cycle of like working 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 just so you can keep buying a product just so you can keep feeling like you're moving forward when really you're not you're just doing what you think is the right thing to do and not listening right. to your heart so exactly. how did you get over that self-sabotage like did you when did you realize like oh my gosh i'm self-sabotaging i guess i think it's hard for people to realize that moment i think everyone 
self-sabotages and certain things. And I'm just, I got really good at being self-aware and observant, um, mostly through therapy. So when you're in therapy as intensely as I had to be, because I have diagnosable mental illnesses, you're kind of forced to put a mirror to yourself and see your habits and see why you're doing it. Otherwise you can get very hurt. So I have bipolar disorder. So bipolar disorder has two generally right generalized it has two cycles it has mania and it has depression um and it can get really really high and really really low and in those peaks you can get very hurt uh so to mitigate harm you kind of need to be able to see these cycles and recognize these cycles kind of like right as they're coming on so for example i know there's a handful of things that when I do it, like if I'm up at 2 a.m. and I'm about to throw down $500 I don't have on fitness equipment, I'm probably about to enter a mania cycle. And so I have contingency plans for when I recognize these certain key like uh, indicators that I'm about to go into no, a cycle. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, for example, with mania, put away my credit cards and uh, have like there I have whole plans for these things so I had to be really really aware of my habits and in that I also had to be really really aware of my um environment and surroundings and the people I was around and be really honest with does this person's environment habit serve me anymore or is it an old habit is it keeping me unhealthy and uh it was hard but that's kind of where I got here <laughs> or how I got here Usually it's not easy. That's why most people sometimes can't get over that step. But hey, you mm. did it. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, so the thing though, buying five hundred dollars of fitness equipment is that really a bad thing? <laughs> it is because five hundred bucks is a lot of money. It is a lot. I don't know what you're buying, <laughs> like a whole gym. Like, <laughs> well, and fitness equipment is very expensive. But the thing is, like, if you're spending, if you're throwing out five hundred bucks to some people, that might not be a lot. To me, that's a lot of money. Right, you need to do your research. You shouldn't be making five hundred dollar impulse buys unless you are a millionaire. In that case, I guess how about it? Yeah, because then for them, it's like coffee. five dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But for me, that's that's yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Anything like yeah, like five hundred dollars is like, what am I really buying? Is it going to be beneficial? Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, that's interesting that you build like contingencies, like plans to avoid those moments. So how did you start doing that? Was you experimenting? Like, hey, this moment's going to work for this circumstance. This one's going to work for this one. This won't work. Like. Yeah, I think a lot of mental illness is is trial and error. Keeping a journal, like you said, are. Uh, yeah, a lot of it's writing it down so you can like almost like how some people who start a fitness uh, journey, <laughs> they have like a food diary and they hmm. just write down what they just so you can be aware of your habits, kind of like that, but for moods so that you can like, I'll write this date, this time I felt upset. And then you kind of start to see a pattern or attract my sleeping habits for a while. Like a lot of it's a lot of data collection at first, as with most things. And then mm-hmm. you do with your trained team what exactly. you need to do with that data. <laughs> do you feel like any of this is like correlated into your game development habits where you like take data and like process it? And I mean, game development is all taking data and processing it. I play test the hell out of our games. Um, originally Call Me Sarah, which is our game coming out next year, was a uh, narrative adventure kind of like in the style of um, Night in the Woods, like where you actually move the character and such. And the first round of playtesting, everyone was like, this is great, but I wish it was a visual novel. I'm not really enjoying the moving aspects, but I really like the story and the choices. 
why isn't a visual novel? And what's funny about that is visual novel is my favorite genre. So when the people said, why can't you make visual <laughs> novels? I was like, you want to? Yeah. You want yeah, it because it's cool. happening. <laughs> I'm happy to. I didn't think anyone liked them, but apparently it was my own bias. <laughs> isn't that interesting how you think like people don't want it, but in reality, they really wanted it? Yeah, just, you don't think that people like the same things as you. So yeah. if like I really like visual novels, but I thought that it was like a that's not what the cool kids like. What do you guys want? <laughs> oh, that's how I felt about your uh tweet about going down the aisle with Dearly Beloved. I was like, no, nobody would like that. And then you were like, you did it. And I was like, no way. No, that's the best thing ever. I bet that was the most like amazing moment you ever had in life. Right? Isn't it great? And it's, it's, I mean, isn't that what, how a traditional church wedding starts? Like, dearly beloved, we gather here today. Or is that a funeral? I think it's a church. <laughs> I think it's I think, like not a church uh, wedding. <laughs> I've been to one wedding, so I, I think maybe <laughs> we one, gather one here. Of <laughs> one of them. <laughs> we gather here today to <laughs> celebrate love. <laughs> That's awesome. That's also one of the greatest songs. I don't know. When you hear that, the piano of the dearly yeah. beloved, it just... It awakens something inside of me. I'm like, ah, Kingdom Hearts. It sets oh, you up so for good. an it emotional does. day, doesn't it? It does. You're like, ah, so it's going to be a great day. <laughs> so going back forward, going back to the game, Dev. So did you like, when did you start learning game, Dev? Was this high school, college, on your own? Oh, when you were younger? no. Uh, 2015 or 16. Yes. Yeah, so this is after you were like, I'm not going to be an actor anymore. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So then what did you do there? Like, what was that moment where you were like, okay, I want to do game dev. Where do I start? What do I do? What's happening? Because it's a I lot. I made <laughs> a lot of mini little games. Like I made Pong. I made like a side scroller, just like, you know, simple games to see what I liked. I tried my hand at different types of art. I tried my hand at uh, different types of coding and, um, Sorry, my, my Discord's popping off. Let me turn this notification Oh, no, you're off. all good. <laughs> Are you hearing that? No. Oh, thank goodness. Because... <laughs> my goodness. I know how the shot is be. just like... Just boom, boom, boom. And you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. what's happening? <laughs> there, I have it off now. Sorry. Um, okay, so I made a bunch of little mini games, and I tried my hand at different types of languages and different types of art. And uh, I basically started to trade my acting skills for game dev experience so i would go to my friends who were making games and said i like i used to do voice acting so i'm a professional voice actor i will voice act for free if you teach me how to blink if you teach me how you did that game art if you teach me how to code if you let me qa if you whatever so i traded my skills for like bit bit positions yeah, yeah, <laughs> in their like, games and the then uh, i like it Right. <laughs> and then one of the voice acting things I did was uh, we made it was almost like a weekend game jammy thing. Um, and it was just a demo, but we called it chapter one of mm -hmm. Bending in the Ink Machine. And then it blew up. And so I was part of the OG team and I was hey. working on all aspects there. And uh, that was a year and a half crash course in how the game industry works. And so I was able to take everything I learned by watching Rooster Teeth and Bending Ink Machine and that team and the, the comic cons and conventions and all the processes and the phone calls and, you know, everything that goes yeah. into having a viral game, uh, take the good, take the bad, figure out what I want to do and start my own studio. Wow. That's, <laughs> you went all out. That's, yeah. did, it, did it seem overwhelming? You were like, this is so much information. Constantly. <laughs> 
that's how I feel still. It's like, what, there's this new programming language, there's this new engine, there's this update, everything you thought you knew, you don't know anymore. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what engine did you use at the time when you were making those small games? Benny Link Machines made Unity. I was making, I wanted to try different engines too. So I made a couple little games in Game Maker 2 I really had fun with. That, that was where I made Pong and Side Scrollers. I played with Unity a bit. Um, but I ended up falling on RenPy and falling in love with RenPy. And I've been using RenPy ever since. It's such a powerful tool that has um, a really undervalued reputation. People yeah, I mean, I've never even heard of it until you said it. So RenPy? RenPy, yeah. Pi is in Python. It's for visual novels. It's such a powerful little engine. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's free. It's very, very popular, especially among women and girls getting into game dev. So, of course, it's not taken seriously. Mm. And it's visual novels. So, of course, again, it's not taken seriously. Visual novels Why are do people like, not like visual novels. Because they're a haven for, like, okay. So, first of all, there's a big thing of like, I disagree with this entire debate, but is a visual novel actually a game? Because it's a choose your own adventure book, right? Well, you're interacting with it. So it is. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know why the gatekeeping's there, but some people feel very passionate about yeah. that. And then it's, what? <laughs> I, I know. And then it's a great place for stories that aren't often told. So often the stories are LGBT or women centric. And then, of course, the. <sighs> the stereotypical gamer which isn't even accurate but what we think of as a stereotypical gamer comes in and says it's not dark souls therefore it's not a real game and it's a whole but is that thing. even a typical gamer because i don't no. even play that much dark souls I, no, there is no not. typical gamer it's just you There's find a-, a game you like and you play it there you go you're a gamer yep but like you candy crush is like- a game and people are like i'm not exactly. a gamer and i'm like you're you're gamers actually in fact everything is games blackjack when people say they're not a gamer, <laughs> i'm like you literally are you just don't know you are you just so yeah, hmm. it's interesting how like people think I, there could be a whole science behind it, but they, I guess they don't want to associate them with like the typical gamer, which is the basement. I don't kid. even think it's that. I think it's that they thought it, like they don't feel like they have permission to use that word because they. I, I've had plenty of conversations where there's a woman who has more hours in Candy Crush than any of my friends playing Overwatch, and yet she's like, "Well, you know, I'm not like a gamer. Like, I don't have a PlayStation. I just play this little thing on my phone. It's a game, and you invested so like you were skilled. Like I." <laughs> It frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm loving it now. I feel like ever since 2020 and everybody was staying at home, it's like games have become like the cool thing, the mainstream. If you're not playing Isn't games, you're not... yeah, right? It's like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> this is awesome. Finally. And Kingdom Hearts 2 recently, I've been seeing like so many people posting it. I'm like, wow. All right, we made it, guys. We... <laughs> I was there when it was cool for just me and a couple people. Now the whole world loves it. Soars and Smash. It's a great day. <laughs> People do get very, uh, they have feelings about that though, because yeah. they they were made fun about it and for so long. And then they feel like, well, now you think it's cool now that it's yeah. mainstream. And, you know, and I, I get where that hurt comes from, but also. I just think it's awesome. Everybody's now. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> just, just let it go. I'm sorry you were hurt, but just let it go. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Just let it go. It's, it's going to be okay. I promise. Mm. Okay. So now. When you're learning all this stuff, what is the time frame? Is it like a week? Is it a couple of years? Is it a month? Like when you started like learning the programming or months, if not like a year or so. I'd say that I would make a like a, a playable short game maybe once a month, but that would be like a, a pong copy or something. Like mm-hmm. this is not anything. It's not um, like Dark Souls. 
No, it's not like Dark Souls. <laughs> but for my games that I like publish and sell, um, the vignettes for Call Me Sarah are about an hour long. And um, I don't know how many words, but you know, they're 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 dense games. Um, and they all they all have different branching because remember with the visual novel, every time you make a choice that matters, those are two more stories you need to write, and then it branches again. Those are four more stories you need to write, and they need to be unique. Um so I'd say maybe four months for each of the vignettes. And then Call Me Sarah, I've been making on and off since 2015. Um, and it's hopefully <laughs> coming out next year. It's fingers. due to come out next year, but you know, fingers crossed because yeah. game dev. <laughs> yep, game dev, you never know. Yeah. It's a crazy industry. It's like the best and the worst at the same time. <laughs> it's a very young industry, so it has a lot of growing to do. Mm-hmm. It does. It's weird because I started thinking about it lately, but like a lot of things are very young in the span of like when technology was born. It's just like, oh, so these games have been like doing it wrong, maybe Call of Duty. But I'm like, you know, the games only came out 20 years ago and compared to most things in life, that's really not that long. But it's just interesting, like our time frame, how we think of things and we think everything is just forever. Like, oh, my God, games have been around for hundreds of thousands of years. I'm like, <laughs> games have, but not the game industry. And no, not yeah. video games. So it's like. We got so much more time. People are like, oh, it's the end of games. I'm like, it's just the beginning, guys. It's just like now people think it's cool. The way like 50 years from now, everybody's going to be playing VR games. Visual yeah, novels are going to be I don't even think it's going to be like a gamer thing anymore because like, yeah. no one who goes to the movies calls themselves like a movie person. They just go to the movies. Everyone yeah. goes to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be playing games. And the gamer thing is going to be a very old word, I think. That's going to be a weird world. Could you imagine like cool, all the though. older adults? Yeah, all the older adults are going to be like, yeah, you know, I just played like Last of Us 4. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No way. Oh, it's killing me how there's teenagers who are just like, oh, you're from the heyday of, of video games. Like, could you tell me what it was like when Pokemon first came out? And I was like, yeah, I can. But you need to speak to me differently. I'm not old. I promise. <laughs> I remember the name perfectly, but mighty tone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that dang Pokemon. I remember when it was just black and white. Right? Oh man. And now have you played the new one on the Switch? Yeah. And it's like three. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We've come a long way. Open world long. type yeah. thing. Yeah. I was like, this is wild. I got what I wanted. I remember being a kid and being like, I want one day where it looks like the show. And I was playing it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Now that's the thing. How do you feel about games back then versus now? Because if like people care more about the graphics than they do about the storytelling and the games feel like hollow. I'm just curious. Certain gamers care more about the graphics than the storytelling. I definitely, I'm very rooted in the indie sphere. So indie games absolutely are story focused. Even if they've got a cool mechanic, it's usually there's some sort of like, it's a point that it's almost a, a trope that there's some sort of twist or some sort of like metaphysical something of the ending or. So in my realm of the game industry, the story very much matters. Um, but I mean, if the game looks pretty and you want a pretty game, have at it. I love mm. just walking in Breath of the Wild and just it's looking yeah. at all the pretty, pretty, <laughs> watching the sunrise. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I don't get why people say that too nowadays and I think about it because of the indie like space. There's so many games. Mm. It's just like, I think people are just so like, okay, these are the only games out there, the AAA. And I'm like... 
you know if you just go on steam and like look for like itch, that minute is like itch a anywhere hayden. yeah there's ah. there's a bunch of games just you know take 10 minutes oh no i'm just gonna go make a 20 minute video about how this game sucks yep. and and I'm, i literally some of my friends we have the same conversation like every day it's just like oh last of us two wasn't as good and this and that i'm like yeah it kind of actually was and and then i'm like okay we talked about it for like two or three weeks now can we move on to something else have you guys tried <laughs> this game called kenua bridge of spirits it's just a great game it's pretty beautiful it's got and they're like no nah, i wouldn't uh, maybe i'll try it out and they never touch it i'm like right there, there i i understand it because there is something <laughs> comforting you know that game you know that controller you know that like you know when when everyone's so stressed out they only have so many spoons to learn it's true new. i get it and with indie games it's hit or miss because uh, you know indie games it's there's no standardization like there's so much that goes into bringing a game to console that it's almost guaranteed it's at least going to be entertaining mm -hmm. um but with an indie game you can waste four hours in it and just feel like you had junk food like you you're not enjoying it mm. but there are tons of amazing indie games that like if you do a little bit of research you can get these lists and play those and then and then you get to be the cool kid who knows yeah. about the indie game when no one exactly, else exactly yes one and the then 10 years later you'll be like ah finally like one of my friends never played kingdom hearts they've been nice. playing since june they've already made it to three they've been playing all the games and they're like this is the greatest thing ever i'm like i told you i, told, <laughs> I, told you. I, I don't lie but yeah no, that, that's awesome. And so let's get back to your game development journey. Like, so for someone who's like starting out and it's overwhelming, how did you like manage all of that? Did you say this month I'm going to study programming? This month I'm going to study that leading up to like Even a that's goal? That's too big. I yeah. think you really need to break it down one foot in front of the other. Like, say you want to make a, a Mario platform type game. Like, you have to be really simple because a lot of people go into this and be like, I'm going to make. Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, step one, what part of Breath of the Wild do you want to make? Because you don't just make a Breath of the Wild yeah, <laughs> and that's, a team of hundreds. That takes a long time. I don't think people realize that too. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like there, someone spent the whole year just making character models. Just, mm, just making the apple that you yeah. make apples out of. Like just one person for a year. So yeah. like you think you could do that in a year with all the other stuff going on in your life? Yeah, exactly. So you yeah. need to break it down. Well, what part of the game do you want to be? Well, I really, really like the cooking part. Okay, cool. So do you want to learn how to like make two ingredients and make a new item pop up? Let's break down that mechanic and let's figure out a simpler way and simplify and simplify and simplify until you learn that before you can learn how to the mechanic of making the apple a baked apple, you need to create an apple. Well, do you want to try your hand at making a 3D model apple or a 2D model apple or a drawing of an apple what style focus on that bit and then if you decide you know what i hate this art bit great well that's a whole branch you don't have to worry about yeah hire one of your friends <laughs> or barter <laughs> if they're like friendly you know if it's a friend you can barter or if it's not a friend make sure you pay them um and then make that thing and now you have your little assets and so you have your apple you have your baked apple you have your pot all the art assets because you need all these things it's not like you can just click a button and then it well i'm just going to make the apple baked and i'm sure the computer does it no they're they're two no, different yeah. like drawings um so you have all your things so now you can play around and you get to decide well let me try to make it work in unity well i hated that let me make a try to work in game maker 2 i hated that too let me just tell a story about the apple's journey in twine <laughs> this feels better <laughs> let me try <laughs> like keep on trying until you get one that feels like i'm having fun with this i'm getting that little creative spark of joy and then 
do more of that because game dev has so many different assets and there's so many different things that go into making a game. You really need to figure out which handful of things you enjoy or you're interested in or you don't hate <laughs> before you, uh, you know, make a bigger game like most people very naively, but genuinely think that mm -hmm. they will their first go around. Yeah, it's because it's exciting. It's not yeah. exciting to say, hi, do you want to make one apple? Because you feel like maybe you can't show that off to people. It's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm making an apple for my games. It's taking me two weeks or something. But no, it's like, it's okay. Take time because that yeah. apple that might take two weeks, then might take like an hour when you're really good at it. Then you can start making more complex stuff. But it's just like, enjoy the process, the slow stuff, because if you're good at that, then all the complicated stuff becomes easier and you don't get frustrated. But I get it. I get why people get so hyped on that. Like, oh, I want to make the next WoW. And I'm like, no, don't, don't make WoW. That one's a little Especially too much. multiplayer. Don't do multiplayer yeah, don't, first that's, <laughs> Don't make, that's a joke. In our, don't make WoW because that is like the next league. It's like, oh, you just want to make, you know, Legend of Zelda. But now we have to add servers and you have to add all yeah. this and stuff. And, so okay so then you did all that so that game jam experience how did you like how were you able to take all the stuff from that and like apply it to what you're doing like did you have like notes or did you just kind of like visually take it in and be like okay this is what game devs like i'm ready to start I my studio i think it's kind of like legos like mm. remember when you were a kid and you got the big Legos, like not <laughs> like a little kid, <laughs> a little shorter than we are now. <laughs> the big, like the big flimsy soft plastic ones that oh, like, yes. this big for each piece, like mm -hmm. those Legos. I don't even think they're Legos, but you know, the little kid ones, the preschool yeah, the Legos. Yeah, yeah. Or that so you just learn to, you, you learn to put them together. Like you're not building anything. You're literally just putting the pieces mm -hmm. together and then you build a wall and then you build a house and then you get the smaller Legos and you start learning to build a house with a door and a house with a window and a house with a roof. And then someone gets you a really easy beginner kit and you make like a bionic or something. And now you're in your twenties and you're making the big Star Wars models of Legos it's like it all kind of builds upon itself, but if you were to give a baby, choking hazards aside, the Star Wars model kit, it has the instructions in it, but even if the child could read it and comprehend it, the child doesn't have the skills for it yet. And I feel like a lot of adults, um, because we're adults, we get very frustrated knowing that we have to suck for a bit before we get better. You really do have to be bad for a very long time before you're good. And if you're frustrated with being bad, that's good because that means you have good taste. Because if you were just starting off and you're bad and you like what you're making, be proud of what you're making, like what you're making. But if you yeah. think what you're making is good in the beginning, uh, you know, it might be that you've bad taste. Yeah. <laughs> it might Dang. be that you're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Calling everyone out. You might like, be the Mozart of game development, no, yeah. but probably not. You're probably not probably the Mozart of game development. <laughs> but I like what you said where you can comprehend it, but you don't have the skills about it. Because I feel yeah. like that happens sometimes when I'm doing like complicated stuff. It's like I kind of know what I need to do, but I just don't know how to write it in like code or I don't know how yeah. to make the actual ass. I don't know how to, but I kind of get it. So it's like that's where it gets even frustrating, I guess, because you kind of know what you need to do, but you can't do it. You're literally staring at the black screen and being like, where do I go from here? Hmm. But um, I guess it just means you're missing skill sets then. Yeah, it's not you that you don't know what you're doing. further and further and further mm -hmm. until you you have the thing and you're like, actually, no, that that sounds like I can do that. Okay, so let me do that one and then let me learn the next step. You really do need to break it down into bite size. Even if it's just, 
I mean, some of these programs are really annoying to even download, even figuring out how to oh, download yeah. <laughs> and get Unity to work. Step one. Woo, we did it. <laughs> oh, that's it's the Unreal is the, the hard one because you'll download it and you'll do something and then you'll mess up. You'll move a, a, a script into a different folder and then it won't like work. It just won't, it won't find your header file and you're like, I just want to get to the actual learning, the game dev part, not fighting the engine. But yeah, so that's those are little small things that happen. So you just gotta gotta fine tune all those skill sets, even downloading the engine. I but was once you once get making it, an environment in Unity, and the tree became a light source, and I didn't know how to undo it, so I just wrote that the tree was a light source, and I just made it a story piece. Like sometimes I just roll with it. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> the tree just became a. <laughs> that's great That'd so then great. so then going to your studio that you made how was it what was the process doing that like did you wake up one day and said okay time to make my studio and then let's let's make it happen <laughs> like, I what's mean, the story behind of. that <laughs> you break it down even further everything you just make small bits so for the studio i saw a lot of good and a lot of bad during the bending the ink machine process and there was a lot that I thought that I could improve upon and a lot that I thought that I had the skill set to do and mix that with <clears throat> a lot of games about mental health. I can't play because it will trigger me. And I thought that was unfair. So trigger it was bits you. and pieces of everything. Yeah, it's because if you think about mental illness games, a lot of the time the games are per are, are showing a person who is mentally well what it's like to have mental illness but I have mental illness I don't need that so I don't mm. need the reminder so if someone puts that in front of me um it kind of it's almost like if you let's say heaven forbid you were when you were a kid your mom got shot in front of you right and then you were watching a movie where the mom gets shot in front of you doesn't that bring you right back into mm, that yeah, thing and then you. you're sitting there crying and you don't understand well for um psychosis and mental illness when it's shown in a game you're showing me something that i actively deal with every day and it's not fun for me it's like i this is my everyday life this is in fantasy this isn't fun yeah. and you're trying to make a game about me that i can't play so i make games about people with mental illness about mental illness that they can play that's not triggering that's not upsetting and that then it, the fantasy is that they are love and seen so instead of the fantasy being mental illness and psychosis mm -hmm. the fantasy is the person with mental illness is then loved and and seen and accepted so in good luck and home cooking um amira gets a little self-harmy and immediately i have another character say like i wish you wouldn't but i don't want you to feel bad that you did like i saw it happen and i need you to stop but I don't want you to feel bad that you hurt yourself. So can we talk about it? And that's a lovely fantasy that a lot of people with mental illness don't get. Mm -hmm. um, so I took a lot of the stuff that I didn't like in the industry, a lot of the stuff that I wish was there. You know, the phrase, be the change you want to see. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Ta-da. I go. made a studio. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. And so how was that? Another overwhelming experience? <laughs> Everything is overwhelming, friend. <laughs> it is? Everything. <laughs> you have to just accept that it's going to be overwhelming and take care of yourself while it's overwhelming. And if it gets too overwhelming, seek help or take a step back or something. It's like that meme with the, uh, it's on fire around him. You just yeah. live with it. You just become the fire. <laughs> <laughs> be one with the fire. Everything is overwhelming. I can't remember a time I wasn't overwhelmed. <laughs> So what advice would you give for someone who wants to start their own studio? Uh, I suggest that they have experience working on other people's games before they dive into 
organizing and um, being the boss of other people because you need to know the you need to know a little bit of every aspect so even though I'm not great at art because I worked with artists and other games I know how well I'm learning and I know some how to interact and talk with artists therefore I was able to hire artists but like if I didn't know how to produce if I didn't know how to keep a timeline if I didn't have experience with someone telling me what to do and knowing what felt good and what got the job done versus what created upset um, it's very difficult. People are difficult. People are hard and people all come with their own baggage. Uh, so before you run your own studio, um, unless you're a solo dev, which I don't really recommend being a solo dev, um, I think just bouncing ideas off people is so valuable and the thing will become bigger than the parts. So it's best, even if you're a duo, just to have someone else to bounce off ideas no yeah. it's really nice because you can really expand on some concept you had that maybe you like thought it was cool and your friend was like hey you know what let's make it even better by this and you're like oh i didn't think of that and then boom. yeah yeah exactly so i don't recommend solo diving um unless you're like doing it to like when i originally started to learn skills that's a lot of pain um, and suffering if, it if is that book, <laughs> game, it's a game pixels or something and the guy who made stardew valley Ooh, he spent like what five years of stress yes but funny you bring him up so notice that we all call him a solo dev no he was not because who was paying the bills while he was doing it his wife his yeah, partner so right. like even the solo devs oh i did it all myself no you didn't because <laughs> someone was putting food on the table and someone was handling you maybe they weren't coding but like you were able to focus on something You're right they were like the cuphead people who remortgaged their their house they had mm -hmm. a house room like there's so much survivorship bias in this industry there is <laughs> and in everything like to, actually mm -hmm. and oh. we like to put people up on pedestals and be like oh this solo dev and they did it all themselves so even I can with do Bendy, it. they were doing it yeah. uh, it's it's not a great there's so many games that like Bendy was a happy lightning in a bottle accident. Like it, it's it could have happened to anyone, and it's great that it happened to us. But it could have happened to anyone. Same with Cuphead. Same with all these. It's not that they were lucky. Um, well, they were, but it's not that they were just lucky. It's not like they they it was only luck, and it was like they won a lot. Oh, it wasn't. It was a lot of hard work and blood and tears. But there are a lot of studios that do the same thing and do everything right, and no one plays their game, and no one knows about them, and their game falls to pieces. And they have now have a second mortgage in debt because of a game, because of their dream, because they hear about these stories and no one goes, hold up, this is the good one. There's many, many hundreds of others that did the same thing and didn't get that same outcome. So anytime someone brings up Stardew Valley, I just need to say <laughs> the little, like, forgive me on my little um, soapbox for a minute, but like, no, you're it's good. so important. <laughs> so I guess me curious, how can we prevent people from like getting a situation where they followed what that person did? getting burnt out and making a game that should be just as good, but nobody hears about it. Like how can we help mitigate that risk? So that nobody. That's a hard one. That's kind of what I try to do. Like I, I'm a bit of a wet blanket when I get interviewed because I sit like, I could do the whole, like, yes, I was on the Bendy team and we were just so great. And I run my own studio and I made a million dollars from Palestine on my itch bundle. And I did this and I did that. And I'm amazing as a person. I, sure but that's not the truth that's like the mm -hmm. lovely pr thing yeah. so i feel like sometimes people get frustrated with me because i can't have a conversation without going look at the dark side though i think that's, it's important. that's important though yeah mm. that's what i, I try to bring up with all my interviews that's why i'm like but timing in the dark side where it's just like look things take longer than you think and there's always mm -hmm. some there's always a bad side to the good part of it and if you can learn to mitigate both of those and learn to deal with both of those then yeah it's fine there's an industry for you 
Don't go and blindly. rarely is it a personal failure. Like yeah. I learned this in acting. So acting is all a numbers game because you'll only get 20%. Even if you are union and you are only going for the jobs that are 100% perfect for you, you're going to get 20% of them on average, statistically. And you don't go for just the auditions that are perfect for you. You also go for the ones that you're slightly perfect for. Maybe they're looking for someone a little taller, but you throw your hat in the ring or whatever. It's, it's a numbers game. You just keep on auditioning and keep on auditioning. And then you hope to eventually land a role, but you could be, it could be down to two people and you could both be perfect for the role. And you look like their ex-girlfriend and they don't want to work with you. Therefore they choose the other person, or you came in 20 minutes after they had coffee and they really needed to use the bathroom. So they were very, very distracted when you were auditioning. They don't even remember you. They just remember they had to pay. Like it is so people are complicated and it's so rarely a personal failure if you you don't get the audition if your game doesn't launch like there's things that we can do to be smart and set us ourselves up for success but when you hear about the the solo devs that made a million dollars it was all worthwhile or the dream story of them remortgaging their house and then it all worked out those are lovely stories and they're important because we need inspiration and motivational stuff when we're in the pits of coding and we feel like it's all just for nothing. We need to hear those stories be like, maybe I'll be the next one. And then it keeps you going. So the inspiration is important and we need that. But by doing those things, that doesn't guarantee anything. And it doesn't mean that you were a bad person or you did anything wrong even. But it is a very, just equally a possibility for you to be the good as you are the fail like the failed game and you need to understand those risks when you go into it and you need to accept the possible like terrible outcome as well as the positive outcome so like I could take out loans for my games I don't because I would not be able to pay them back I am not a rich person I don't have wealth I don't make much money so I in the game industry right like most people in the game industry so I came up with the vignettes because the vignettes are shorter games that I'm able to push out quicker that give me a little bit of cash flow and build trust while I'm making the bigger game. Um, so you come up it's with creative solutions. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> so it's a smart business move. Oh, thank you. Yeah. See, there you go. See, because you understood the risk. So you started making smarter choices. Right. And so that's that's it. That's really it. Instead of being like, I'm going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, hundreds and hundreds of hours, not hanging out with anybody to make this one game that's going to beat all the other ones. And it's like, you're putting so much into one basket that you yeah. can't guarantee it would be good. So, and yeah. maybe it is, but numbers are not in your favor. It just depends who you are. Yeah, like 100 people could be doing that. One is going to make it. Mm-hmm. And then, and they're all good games. It's just nobody yeah. hears about it. It's just the way it is nowadays. Now, social media and the rise of people being on those devices and sites are making it easier where games become more popular than used to like it's just how things are now like like youtubers are more po- as popular as like celebrities were back then it's just mm-hmm. it's just growing as social media is growing but still it's not that many games that will reach as like some other games like for instance fortnite there's not going to be another fortnite for a while and then when it does come it's going to be there's probably like a hundred studios trying to do what they're doing and then only one makes it so and you know, there is an extreme is. emotional toll as well. Like for Benny the Ink Machine, our lead artist and our lead dev ended up in the hospital with heart palpitations because it was just so stressful and so overwhelming and he wasn't taking care of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a lot. And for it to come at you so quickly when you do get success, like whether you fail or you're successful, it is a lot. And you really need to 
have things in place to protect yourself, to keep yourself healthy, to ground yourself for the good and for the bad. It's not just, I'm going to create the game. I'm going to be the next Indie Darling. I'm going to be a millionaire. Everyone's going to love me and know my name. It's so much more than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe that's just not the healthy perspective to have. Maybe you don't want to need to be a millionaire or be the number one famous person. Well, maybe just make something that you find the world needs create it have fun making it push it out there if people love it they love it if they don't then make something else or just be happy you made it i think we, we're so yeah. built on this like idea to just continually become this popular person in the world yeah like, have all the money and it's just like you don't need to like who said that had to be the way to be successful in life like you know always people say like oh you made it you're successful now you should be happy for the rest of your life and i'm like that's not really how the world works or your emotions work like, cause then you start buying more stuff and then that stuff, then you reach a point where it becomes stale. Like you're like, oh, well, whatever. Like I got five Lamborghinis now. I'm bored. <laughs> and it's just like, you're missing the point. Like when you play a game, it's fun because everything's new and refreshing. You don't know the story. But like sometimes I remember when I was younger, you just play a game. You have imagination. So like, hey, I would play Lego Star Wars and create my own character, make my own story. And it's like, that was fun for me. So why can't you do that the same with life? Like make things fun, go out there and, and make this game as like a quest and a challenge, but also you got to like get materials and you got stuff like nothing happens all at once. So how do you keep yourself from like getting maybe stuck when like, I need to do things quicker. I need to have push this out. Or are you ready? Like, you know what? I'm going to take this long and that's how long it's going to take for me. I don't give deadline, not deadlines, uh, release dates until the game is done. Until the game's in the final post-production, we're just playtesting it the last stages. Like we playtest through all the stages, but like the final, just making sure everything doesn't crash. Um, I um, am fortunate that I don't have a publisher that needs milestones at a certain time or anyone like giving me money that I need to answer to. So that is a problem. Oh, you're really in a good being, situation. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. there's no money and it can be stressful, but honestly, like, I, I, this was good for me. Some people that would be mm -hmm. fine with, but this was good for me. I like having the flexibility, especially because how volatile my mental illness can be. Um, I like being able to take two weeks off because I got married. I like being able to uh, figure stuff out. But that said, because of that, I also have a day job where I'm a nurse's aide. So like I have to do both. Um, that works for me. So I found something that works for me. I think you need to know yourself really well and you need to be very realistic and honest about your situation. I have no kids, so it's okay if I like, you know, uh, if you've got children, that that's a whole different thing. That like, is a whole different park, yeah. Yeah, if I have mashed potatoes one day for dinner, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but I can't just give my kid mashed potatoes. Yeah, for you're like, just eat mashed potatoes. It'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be go. fine. Here's some Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy didn't sell a game today. <laughs> yeah, we're struggling. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so you really need to know your own situation, your own everything, um, and figure out what's best for you. And I think looking like very often reassessing everything and looking over everything and being like, is this still working? Or is this something that I feel good about still is important as well. You can't just like set something and just do it for five years and not reevaluate. It's a lot of work. I mean, if, if it wasn't just, you know, get a job working for someone else. If you want your own studio, it's a lot of work. <laughs> That's the best advice right there. <laughs> It's a lot Honestly, of work if you want it, not do it. Yeah. Go get your own job. It's a lot yeah. of work. But it is there a lot of work. 
trade uh, trade jobs like a plumber electrician they are always in demand they pay very well like you know you can make a decent living doing it you have a skilled trade that you have it's only like a year and a half of of trade school or associates college if if you want stability do that don't make games (laughs) (laughs) nice boom we're done with the podcast it's over (laughs) (laughs) no but that's that's realistic advice that a lot of people need to hear because they might be thinking of making the next Fortnite when it's like you know just make small games think of your situation maybe you have to study for a whole year but you have like so much work to do you have to pay off maybe you have a kid like be realistic now did you always have that mentality or did it like kind of happen because of your like situation uh let me think i always had to be very realistic because of my acting show business upbringing so i always was very much like if i get the part great if i don't it's another audition like i'd audition and then i'd immediately forget about it um and i always knew that i was choosing something that was more difficult than a just like go to school learn a thing get a job at a like you know more traditional situation some of those are pretty easy compared to game dev like i didn't realize it like i wouldn't say everything but some of them are like you just go you kind of pass by and you get the job doing like whatever and you go home and yeah. I'm like, this game dev, like, you need to learn things and understand them and solve problems and think of, like, especially because of programming, you got to think of, like, how do, can I do this memory management? And I'm like, people are like, so you're always studying? And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, new stuff come out. I'm still not good at certain things. Like, yeah, this is game dev industry. And I'm like, it's a lot of artists, too. Like, one of my friends is an artist. He's constantly working. It's like, that's yeah. the creative industry. If you want to do something creative, and you got to do it all the time. If you want to yeah. just get by and, like, a regular day job, then, yeah, you can go extra classes go to do your work and just you know when you have to show up you perform well and honestly there's no shame in that and there's not that is a great life but again it's a realistic (laughs) part there are the game industry is a mess you got to do a lot you got to go in there and weave around these engines and different like some circumstances work for others others don't you'll learn that if you watch those um what are they called not ted talks what is the game industry version of that they're um Oh, they, I was just watching one of them. Uh, GDC Talks? Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, GDC Talks. And then, like, one will say another thing, and one will say something different. But, yeah, like, that's that's a great place to go. You can learn so mm. much. So, so yeah. Game and industry. we're just talking about the aspect of making the game. Never mind selling the game and From, yeah, understanding the industry yeah. and networking and getting to know people yeah. and keeping connected yeah. and working with influencers. <laughs> <laughs> like once you just make the game congratulations you made a game but like if you want to then make money that's a whole another 10 branches that you need to get through it's not just making the game and learning how to make the game it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> it is and then there's the safety aspect and gamergate was very recent <laughs> and like the state like it, it, do you grow your social media so that you become a, not- uh, a, a notable person so mm-hmm. that you have um, more eyes on you so that you can sell your games, but then also risk your safety when you're out, not even at conventions, if someone recognizes you just in a city or if people are showing up at your house or giving you like death calls on your cell phone or threatening, like, people get weird and internet is weird and the game industry doesn't have many protections in place so 
do you sell your soul to make a million dollars and be an indie <laughs> darling or do you balance it? It's, it's a, you have to figure out what's best for you. And if you yeah. really do want that fame and fortune, be very realistic of what comes with that because it's not just fame and fortune. It is, you are giving up a bit of your privacy. You are giving up your ability. I used to use Twitter when it first came out in like 2009 as yeah. just like a little random thoughts diary. I can't do that anymore. I have to be very mindful about what I post. I have to be very mindful that there's no personal information in the photos I post. I have to be very mindful of when I do things and how I say them and will it be taken the wrong way. And if someone was reading this with the intention of harming me, can they get to me or can they twist this in some way? Or if this was read out loud in a podcast, will this be seen as a negative thing that will then affect my company and therefore the people I've hired? Will the people I hired, do they have a social media history where they said something horrible in the past and now I have to be like, hey, I can't work with you because when you were 15, you were dumb on Facebook. Like it is so much to think about. Um, and then if you don't have the company and the money behind you as well, and you're just like a lovely little poor indie, just, just know what you're signing up for. <laughs> Dang. Like we said before, it's pretty overwhelming. It is. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. So, okay. So somebody just heard that. How can you turn them back onto the game industry? Be like, okay, I can do this. I get to make stories that make people feel seen and help them live their best life and get through the worst parts of their life. And forever, I, for those people, will be part of why their life was good. At the end of their life, when they're like thinking back and be like, remember when I was 22 and I was going through that really rough patch and I played that game and it made me feel good and, you know, made me feel like being a trans woman wasn't all so bad. And I was able to do it because I played role for confidence and I feel good about myself now. And I had a wonderful full life. I'm like this part of their life. I'm not saying I changed life, but this part. And I helped with this minute part. And that makes me feel amazing. So as long as I can keep doing that, like, <laughs> I don't need a Lambo. <laughs> I don't even care for cars. I have a yeah. moped. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day you'll get the nice fancy moped. <laughs> I'll get a Vespa. <laughs> yeah, and on the back of your set change, then your lives might new. But it was meaningful. <laughs> it was... Exactly. But no, that's it. That's the real reason at the end of the day. I think that's when people find full fulfillment, when they find like the purpose you have, where it's just like, I just want to help people's lives, no matter how big or yeah. small it is. And doing it with games because I love games. That's Yeah, that's... exactly. Mm -hmm. I had a woman email me after... Um, Good looking home cooking come out. And she said that I didn't realize hitting, like punching, not cutting, but punching myself was self harm. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And now I'm in therapy. What? <laughs> wow. That's, that's wild. Amazing. And she's going to grow and do yeah, so much for it's... herself. Like, <laughs> see, she you... played this game that we made. Like, come on. There's mm -hmm. such power in that. There really is. And then soon when everybody's a gamer now and nobody says gamer anymore, they just go play games. They'll be experiencing all these things you've done and it'll change their lives. And then maybe one day, you never know, somebody will be a huge announcement. Like she changed my life and it'll become famous. Yeah. yeah. But you don't need that. But you never know. Like you never know what could happen in the next 50 years. You just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Are you inspire so many people to lead the charge, to like make the world better because of your game? Like, it's just, it's so impactful what we could do. And people think like, oh, it's just a small game. But like, you don't know that small game is played by one person who then shares with other people or their experience with that game meant something. So then they affect 10 people's lives. And those 10 people affect 100 and 1,000 yeah. and then a million. 
it all started with your game <laughs> honestly art's so powerful yellow card has this song that is like on a b side of one of their albums i don't even know the name of it but it's about 9 11 and they played it at 2004 warp tour when they were when it was in randall's island hmm. and they asked us for permission because it's near like the tri-state area we're all from new york right yeah. so randall's island in new york um and they asked us for permission before they played it and it was so healing i listen to that song anytime 9 11 comes up because that's a very hard day for me and a very hard anniversary for me and now i'm 33 i still listen to this like b-track song and it meant so much for me and gave me so much healing I bet they didn't mean that. Like art is so powerful. Do it mm -hmm. for like the art and all that. Not for Aww. the money. Don't don't do it for the money. <laughs> that's so beautiful. We definitely got to end on that because that's just, oh, I love that. So mm -hmm. usually at the end of the uh, podcast, I'll ask uh, I guess to do a little challenge. So can you come up with a short challenge? You take your time to think about it just for the, uh, the listeners so they can get their hands dirty after this podcast and go create oh, sure. art. Yeah. Okay. I've got one. Um, like a making your game type challenge? Yeah. Okay. So I challenge them to make, write, not even coding, not even a game, but write out a branching choice narrative story. Like a short story where there's at least two or three endings and at every choice where the the story branches off, you have to write out the dialogue that it's meaningful to the player and that they equally want either or. Not like a good one, this is obviously the best choice, and then like yeah. a whatever one, but two powerful choices that when your player gets that part in your short story, they will be sitting there biting their teeth trying to figure out what we're biting their teeth, biting their nails, <laughs> trying to figure out which 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 path they need to take to figure out which ending they want so a branching dialogue story short story with at least one choice that it's equally good choices and two different unique endings that's a great challenge oh i can't wait to see what people do with that yeah <laughs> i gotta try that too come up with my branching story but yeah so thank you so much for coming on Lana. this has been great challenge was great the story was great and definitely the whole create your art is just, I'm going to remember that forever. Anytime I get down, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing this because I might change someone's life no matter how small, no matter how yeah. big. Yes. <laughs> and then I'm going to play Dearly Beloved at my wedding because it was the greatest idea ever. <laughs> Walk down the aisle to it. And then for our rituals, we have Studio Ghibli music. Like, yo, no one knew what it was but no. me and him. But it and that's felt all so that good. doesn't even matter. It's all that matters is you know what it is because yeah. your day. Oh, I exactly. love that so much. And congratulations on your wedding. Thank you. You're welcome. So at the end, I usually like to hand the mic to you to just do any last minute shout outs, quotes, tips, whatever, however you want to end it off. And uh, thank you again for coming on. And the mic's sure. all yours. Uh, so we're Toad House Games. You can find us Toad House underscore games on Twitter or Team Toad House on Twitter. I'm Tybawai, T-Y-B-A-W-A-I. Our game is Wishlistable on Steam. So it's Call Me Sarah. Sarah is C-E-R-A. And our vignettes are releasing on itch. So toadhousegames.itch.io. Um, and I really cannot wait. If you make visual novels, send them my way on Twitter. I cannot wait to play everyone's visual novels. I love that genre. I love those games. Uh, I'm making a course next year that will be very beginner friendly on how to make your first visual novel. So if you feel stuck, just give me a few months and I will be making it. I'm working on it right now. But if you manage to make something in the meantime, I would love to play it. 
please send it my way. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at GameDev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.